today. I'm super excited to bring you one of my friends from 31. We were both top leaders in 31 for years. Hung out in New York City with her. That was fun. And today she's coming on and she's going to be talking with me about worth, what it's like to overcome obstacles and continuing to move forward, how direct sales has changed her life, and also like giving back. And also we're going to talk a little bit about this time when she got super sick and found out that it was a breast implant illness. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Hey there, I'm Melissa Bat, the host of Priorities on Purpose, a podcast for overwhelmed direct sellers who want to grow their income, audience, and influence without sacrificing their mental health and main priorities. Whether you're just starting a new adventure or you're 15 years in and have already climbed the ranks, I want to help you have the life and the business of your dreams. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Or maybe you thought you had it and something changed. Whether you have your entire dream mapped out or have completely given up on all the possibilities, I'm here to remind you that God is bigger than the little box we put him in. This side gig is part of his plan. It's not your sole purpose, but it absolutely has purpose. As a Christian life and business coach, I'm here to help you get out of your head and live with intention so you can enjoy what matters most without the guilt. More time to do what you love, more peace, more impact, more money, and opportunities to give to those you wanna help. I promise to be your hype girl, business bestie, and biggest cheerleader as I share proven and simple strategies that will be sure to help you live a fulfilled life with a strong, sustainable business. Are you ready to stop chasing all the shiny things and get laser focused? Put your earbuds in while you're cooking dinner or folding that laundry and let's get to it, friend. This is one time when multitasking is actually going to be beneficial. Let's get into it. All right. So Ashley, where do you want to start? Let's talk about the single mom journey. Let's start there. Okay. I think that's a good start because that's kind of where I was placed, I think, to be talking about this today. So some of you may have heard, if you were at Impact, heard my story. I was asked to share and it was something I did not want to do at all. I know I have a story and I'm supposed to share. So here I am again. And I think maybe God's using me to continue to share that story for others to to hear it because this was his purpose. And I didn't really look at it like that back in the day, but I married my college sweetheart. We built the house. We did the whole timeline, got married, we had a baby. And by the time Jackson was two, we were already divorced. We did not have Christ in our life. It was not the center of our life. So things may have been different if so, but we moved on. He got the house. I got my son. At that time, I could have more custody of my son is what I want to say, but he ended up moving to Georgia. We ended up in a Section 8 housing and it was a previous meth lab and it was really scary where we were at but it was the only thing I qualified for. I was at the time working at the YMCA, like aerobics instructor. So I always had wanted to be a nurse. I have my report from seventh grade still of my dream job, and it had a little Band-Aid and a Q-tip on it. That was my dream, and I couldn't get in in college because it was just really hard, and I didn't have the grades. So I thought, I'm going to apply again. I'm just going to go get my associates. And I had my bachelor's in, in exercise, which doesn't pay anything. So I was the very first night school for the community college they ever had, which worked perfect because I would work full-time during the day. He would go to daycare and then at nights he would trade off with his dad. So I worked during the day at the hospital as a tech and the closest I could get to labor and delivery was the NICU. So I got to be with all those BEVs 
But every morning when I took Jackson to daycare, the lights weren't even on yet. And he would cry. And then I cried. And I'm sure some of you, even if you're married or single, it's hard. Don't leave your kids. They got to work sometimes. So I did the school. I graduated two years later. We moved to Orlando because his dad ended up moving to Atlanta. So it didn't matter where I went, went where my mom was. And I became a labor and deliverer. So it was great. But at the time when I was in the Section 8 housing, it was really, really hard. We all have our trials and obstacles we go through. But one day in my planner, somebody put a $100 bill in there and they wrote an anonymous note and it said, you are worthy. And I fell to my knees and cried. And I thought, oh my gosh, someone saw me. Like I matter to somebody because at the time I didn't feel like I mattered to anyone. I was just trying to like keep my head above water and pay the bills and night school and work and the bills. And then I'd have, like, I didn't even tell this part before ever to anyone. So you guys, this is privileged information. But I had a bounty hunter even come to my door and bang on the door and say that I was storing some person for drugs in my house. Like it literally was like so scary. So we immediately left. But I I found out later it was a nurse named Donna and she was a Christian. And I just remember that feeling. Not the person who was stealing, like hoarding drugs, but the person who put the $100 in your planner. Oh, sorry. Just (laughs) want to clarify. Clarify. I don't know who I was storing in my house, but he didn't exist. <laughs> but the $100, I thought it was from a nurse, Donna, and I've actually tried to hunt her down and I can't find her anywhere. But that was so impressionable and so impactful for me. And that word worth really was huge. And I didn't realize how that would weave its way into many different areas in my life later on. So I became the, the night shift nurse because night shift made more money. I was in labor and delivery doing my dream job. It was amazing. But I had to pay a babysitter three nights a week for Jackson. So I'd rather miss his nights while he's sleeping than his days while he's at school and I wanted to pick him up. So I'd be running on like really low fuel three to four hours sometimes, but it was really worth it. I say it all the time. It's worth it. Proverbs 31.10, you are worth more than rubies. That was just something I continued to remind myself. We began a new church in 2008. So we're fast forwarding about six years here. I had my first house that I bought and that was when the housing crisis hit. I don't know if any of you were affected in that 2008 area, but I ended up losing my house. The car was driven away. We had to file bankruptcy and I hurried and got into an apartment real quick before my credit was destroyed for the next 10 years. So we rented for those 10 years. But during that time, we started the new church and I went to Crown Financial to learn about money and tithing. And so in December of 2008, I had $219 to my account and I gave away $200. So it left me with $19. I trusted the Lord right there. This is a whole nother story for another day. I didn't, I haven't talked to my dad in probably 15 years at that point. And in the mail, I got a card for Christmas with $200 in it. So I ended up falling to my knees again, crying. And I knew that this was a God thing for sure. Again, that is so cool. You had $219. You gave 200 to the church. And then you get a card in the mail with $200 from your dad who you hadn't talked to in a really long time. Yeah. Tell me that's not God. Right? Exactly. So cool. So we started attending church. And one of the scriptures that really impacted me, the pastor was talking about James 1, 2, 3, 4. And 
it's about consider it pure joy, my brother, and whenever you face obstacles and trials. And he's like, how in the world would anyone find joy in a trial? And for some reason, that just really spoke to me because I thought everything I had just been through, the Section 8 housing, the divorce, my life not looking like I thought it would be, the struggles, the bankruptcy, everything. And I'm like, I'm supposed to find joy in this. So I did. I've never been angry at the Lord. I say, whatever you want for my life, I will do. And I will share this with people because we all have a story and we all have struggles and they may look different, but there is joy on the other side and we grow through those and we persevere through those. And I think we wouldn't be who we were without them. And I I wouldn't change a thing. It's funny that you mentioned the book of James in chapter one, because Tammy, I don't know if you have followed me sharing Tammy or if you follow Tammy, but Tammy is one of my coaching clients and she just wrote a devotional on the book of James and specifically chapter one of James. And so she's in here. She's like, that was James chapter one, verses two and three. Consider a joy. Okay. So from there, how did 31, like how did direct sales come into your life? So five months later, after my crown financial, my tithing consistently, we're going to church. I joined 31 in May of 2009 and didn't know what I was doing at all. But a friend in Texas had given me the catalog a year prior, and I love a monogram. I'm originally from Oklahoma, so we are considered Southern and monograms everything. Yeah, we monogram everything. So I finally had some money, even though I was bankrupt. Nurses don't make terrible money, but it was hard to come up with money for a car. So at that point, I was looking at just some groceries. So I took the catalog after three months of not doing anything with it. My sponsor called me in the middle of my sleep, which I still give her a heck about that. And she said, you have to sell $200 by the end of the month or you're going to go inactive. I'm like, fine. Okay. So I take the catalog to the hospital and I got like three or four orders. My first check was $87. I was thrilled. I was like, sweet. People start joining. I'm carrying the product. I don't know what I'm doing. In fact, for the first two years, I did not email my team at all. I didn't know what I was doing. We didn't text people at the time. I think we were using Yahoo groups to communicate. It was... Those days. Yeah. So I didn't know what I was doing. I just was like, let me wing this. I don't really have time for it, but I'll do it. But again, we find something you're passionate about. It doesn't feel like selling. And I love the fact that it was a faith-based company. So I continued on. I ended up in, within three years surpassing my nursing income. So I was then able to retire from my dream job, which was really difficult decision. But I wanted to be the one that tucked my son in every night. And didn't want to have to pay the babysitter. And all of that became a huge blessing, not only just for me to be home, but my son had some issues in public school. So we ended up putting him in private Christian school. So that was a blessing for him. 31 was able to pay for that. And so overall, I was a single mom for 17 years. Jackson was a part of all of it. He was my biggest cheerleader. Remarried finally in 2018. And Jackson is now 22. And when he heard me share this story at Impact, I did not know this, but my husband, Gary, secretly had Jackson watch my story while I was live. And I walk off the stage and Jackson wrote, Mom, I'm so proud of you. I wouldn't change an ounce of our story. It was perfect. And I was like crying. And I was just so happy that I, I, all the things that we went through, it just was worth it. I want to say there's that again, right? Worth it. I want to just mention for those who don't know, Impact is basically like 
the conference, right? The national conference once a year, all the consultants get together and Ashley was asked to speak on stage and share her story, which is another thing I wanted to talk about because you said that you really did not want to do it, but you did it. And so talk to me about that. Like, I, first of all, would have never guessed that that's not something that you would want to do because I have always seen you as confident, outgoing. I've just always seen you as that. So like, it surprised me that you didn't want to do it. In fact, I didn't realize that you hadn't done that yet. I would have thought you had already done that. So talk to us a little bit about that. Um, Well, I think it's scary to be vulnerable with things that have created hurt or discouragement or pain. I'm finding that the more I talk about it now, it's benefiting others to hear the story. And it's what God is calling me to do. And I really feel like Angie Lee Myers was one of executives people from 31. And she was really hounding me about it. And she kept saying, yes. And I said, no. And she said, yeah, like I said, no. And it just kept going back and forth. And then, I mean, it was literally like a week before she's like, I really need an answer. And I was like, fine. I just, I went to this one doctor and she said, it was a naturopath. And she said, when God knocks one time, it's a nudge. When he knocks two to three times, it's, you need to do it. And I said, okay. So Angie had nudged me plenty of times. I said, yes. And then what was interesting was on stage, there was a story presented about Maria Shriver and how she had been asked to speak as a valedictorian for this college for many years. And she was frightened to do this, just like me. Would you look at Maria Shriver and think, wow, she's so confident, right? But she didn't want to do it either. And she was scared. And so she finally got the nudge and she did it. And she said she was very thankful for it. So I mentioned that at the beginning of my speech. And I also had a little rock that my niece had painted with a cross on it. And I had that in my pocket and a Kleenex. So I was like, I have the Lord with me. When I went through the rehearsal, though, there was about 12 executives and I bawled like ugly cry, terrible snot. I just couldn't do it. And it hit me when I talked about the daycare. And that's the part that chokes me up the most is that was so painful. It got easier to talk about. But when I was going through that, I couldn't stop crying. And I was like, I can't do this. And then Scott Monroe, it's the founder's husband, prayed with me right before I went on, prayed with me on stage. See, I'm already still tearing up about that. I don't know why it hits me so hard. Because it was impactful and yeah, part of your story. And yeah, that's the, like, I love that God will take our pain and turn it into purpose. He may not have caused it, but he will use it. And so for me, sharing it is like therapy. Because if I'm going to have to go through something sucky, by golly, yeah. I want it to benefit someone else. That's the only way I think I can get through it. And so, okay, keep going. So, so yeah, Scott prayed, prayed with me, you. And all of a sudden, I just felt, I'm doing this. They're like, let's go. And I was like, boom. And I did it. And there was a couple of head nodders in the front that I paid attention to because that made me feel like, okay, keep going. I did a couple jokes that made me feel better. I talked about my labor and delivery. When you see a peace sign, I see two centimeters. That was something that helped. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, so it was good. And then, oh my gosh, afterwards, I had so many people message me that I've never heard from that were saying that that was impactful. They had either been a single mom or something about the story. I mean, you could, you don't have to be a single mom to feel some of these things, to go through these things. You can still be with someone. It's just harder to do alone. So Tammy said that 
your story was her favorite. It was the most real. And I think like we think that it needs to be like so polished and wrapped up with a bow. And of course, we pay attention to all the little things that doesn't sound smooth and polished, but other people, they're just in like engrossed into the story and applying it to their own life. And so you can see how God used it now, right? No, I say because of that, I actually created a new Facebook community called Worth It for Single Moms. And I don't really know what I'm doing with it, but it's been on my heart since then. And we're going to do some encouragement. I think we're going to meet monthly just to have a little Zoom together as moms. And I think in, in general, women, we don't fill our cups first. We fill them last if there's anything left. And I remember that feeling of being depleted and working so hard. And when that lady saw me, I want them to know I saw them too. My pastor said one time, everyone you lock eyes with matters to God. And I want them to know like they matter to me too. And that I see you. I think it's something so powerful when you can lock eyes with someone. I've been watching on Instagram this like real stories of the homeless or on the street, real stories on the street or something like that. And it's basically someone going out into the streets and interviewing these people that are homeless. And it's something that has all like I've always connected with. I want to know their story. Like, I want to like, how did you get here? What can we do? Like, how can we get you out of this? Unless that's where you want to be, because some people are that way and don't want to be like that. But I've been watching them all morning, like while I was waiting for the people. Works too. We have to connect on that because I've been serving the homeless probably since 2008. That's something that I'll go behind the building. I, I don't have any fear. I know God is with me. Like, I just want them to feel seen and loved. I'm like, what, who needs a blanket? I put some in my car before. I took them wherever they need to go. It's like, they're like crazy. I'm like, no, God told me to do it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And so you're not one of those that's like, I'm not going to help them because they probably have better life than I do. And they're just. No, I, my, my dad told me when I was little, the dad that I don't talk to anymore. He said I used to make him stop on the street and give money to the homeless. Like that's the one that God put on my heart most that I feel love for. Yeah. I think of it now, like, I mean, I have a sister who is struggling with some mental health issues and well, she's currently, well, she's currently in a, on a psych hold, but you know, she's living in her van. And before that she was staying in a hotel. She does not want an apartment. Like she just, it's not clicking for her. And I think of so many people, like that's their story or we know someone who like, I know myself personally, if it wasn't for the family support during certain times of my life, when we were down on our luck and really struggling financially at 2008, for example, for me too, was like really, really hard. I remember Eric losing his job. We didn't have insurance. We just had our third baby and our heat bill was like ridiculously high. We had no money coming in and like... If it wasn't for family helping, we would not have been able to make it. And so I'm super passionate about helping in that area. Also, just doing what we can. Sometimes I've done it to a detriment. Like, oh, this is really good. I don't know about you, but for me, I sometimes use it as an escape from my own reality. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. 
So like instead of like, I don't like I got my own stuff that I need to deal with, but I don't want to think about it or deal with mm-hmm. it. And so it's, yeah, I, push can, it down. I can focus my attention, which serving is like, I mean, anytime you're in a hole, serve, but the enemy can use that in a way that's going to harm you as well, because sometimes you kind of got to dig yourself out as well so i'm learning like yeah not to use it as an escape and have some balance there because i would neglect my kids to go help people and i actually just recorded a podcast episode on this i just realized that like i just had this huge aha i was doing this like it's on time management and i talk about how my dad never spent time with us and always say he didn't have time he didn't have time Mm -hmm. he didn't have time and in that, we we know, like, if you were to say, that's not a priority, instead of saying, I don't have time, like, that would, you'd check yourself, right? And so when he would say, I don't have time, I always felt like we weren't a priority. And the truth was, like, he was helping other people. That's what he mm-hmm. was doing. And that's something, like, I just had that God moment while I was doing a podcast episode on, like, Oh, I do that. That's how my kids could feel. I think I'm better at it now, but I've definitely struggled with that over the last few years. But that statement, I don't have time, can feel like abandonment and rejection. And I think that's where I've had a similar thing. And that's where the worth lack. You don't feel like you're worthy enough to spend time with or worthy enough to. Worth is something I have always struggled with. And that is why serving because it's about someone else. It's taking the focus off of me yeah, and putting it on other people because I want to make them feel worthy. I know. That's way easier for me. Exactly. It's <laughs> for me too. Like that, maybe that's why I'm always giving and not filling my own cup too. Yeah. Not done any self-care. So the question is like, I think sometimes we hear God saying something to us and so many times like, we can't even like let it process and simmer in our soul for us. We just automatically use it to speak to other people. Like the worthiness, you don't feel worthy, but you're going to make sure everyone else feels worthy. Yes. Really? God is saying, yes. Ashley, you are worthy. Oh goodness. So true, right? Okay. So talk to me about this single moms group. You talked a little bit about it. Well, what I've been doing since 2012, so I guess it's 10 years now, I have a unofficial, I don't, I don't call it a nonprofit. I've had people say, turn it into one, but I don't. I like just giving from myself, like from my heart. But I do, and I didn't talk about this uh, impact. I've not talked about it publicly, but I did talk to Melissa about it. So every month, a single mom is nominated, or I might just come across a single mom in a situation on my team or in the neighborhood or whatever it is. And then I try to anonymously send get the address and find everything out and honestly send a box. And I usually include things that moms, single moms wouldn't buy for themselves, like a cozy blanket, a coffee mug, a new journal with some fun pens. I usually put a Target gift card. I'll fill it with as much as I can. And then I have these little bracelets that say worth it on it. And then I'll just write a card with the scripture, Proverbs 31.10, and just remind them that God loves them. And so do I. And if they 
try to find out, they'll message me, but that's not the point of it. I just want someone to see them like someone saw me versus the $100. I'm just doing more. I'm gifting is my love language. So I just feel more to put it all together and make it cute. And hopefully they're just so happy when they get it and like, oh my gosh, like I just remember that feeling. So I want people to feel that too. So we'll probably do some in my group, the Facebook group. We might do some nominations there or I might just privately see someone's story and just reach out and ask if I can send them a little goodie or something. But I just want to continue that and hopefully others feel blessed and they can pass that on. Okay, so let's talk about this for a minute because this is something that you and I talked about privately. You really struggled and I said, this is like, this is how the enemy works. You're a humble person. You don't want to be braggy and share what you do. But at the same time, if you were to share it, it would inspire others to do something similar. Just a very easy way for them to give back or also to share like, this is something that you do because of the income that you have made with your direct sales business, which is 31. You also started Beauty Society, right? So I want to talk a little bit about the direct sales journey for you, like leadership, some of the highs, some of the lows. Leadership was not anything I went to school for. I, again, didn't know how I could be a leader in the OR. I could be a leader as the nurse charge a nurse every night, running the show in the WICU, women's intensive care. But with direct sales, I didn't have a guide. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I loved the company and I loved their mission, celebrate, encourage, reward. And I mean, how fun is that to be around Christian women and work? So I just learned as we go. I have a whole bookshelf of books. I'd listen to, I don't think we had podcasts at the time, but CDs, yeah, books on tape. So yeah, I just took it one day at a time, but I'm very driven. And I knew as a single mom that I had to pay some bills. And so I was a big carrot chaser, earning every leadership incentive trip we had, like it was non-negotiable. I wanted five figures a month, non-negotiable to have no debt, to put Jackson in private school, to be able to travel when we wanted to and make those memories. I really loved seeing that if I could do it, like I just felt like this regular girl, like if I could do it, you hear all these stories about people in direct sales. You're like, that's not really true. And I was like, but it is because like I'm doing it. But then you hear it. And you're like, okay. But if you don't know me, it does sound like kind of, okay. But my family is like, oh my gosh. And all my nurse friends are like, I still can't believe you're in it. I'm like, I know I'm hitting 14 years in May. And then like Melissa said, I started Beauty Society for another reason. But yeah, I love seeing other women encouraged, obviously. I like the one-on-one conversations and the leadership's opportunities that they have and working with them. And I think most of Mike's coaching calls are not book, sell, recruit, here's what you do. It's talking about mindset and self-development and their faith. And one thing that's really important to me, I have it right here. I'll show you. This is something I've had printed out probably 10 years, but this is the prayer of Jabez. If you've heard of that, I read the book, love it. So, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from the enemy. So basically, I was always thinking my whole life that I'm not supposed to ask for blessings. I thought that was not something I was supposed to do. And then I was like, oh, the Lord has blessings for me and I didn't even know and I'm missing out on them. And then I would pray to enlarge my territory and ask for women that needed to know him. I have people on my team that 
we're not even believers. It's not that I did anything. It's being surrounded by that community of women and feeling encouraged, feeling worthy, hopefully. And that was a really impactful, like those things mean more to me than the dollar. It was dollar signs, believe me, for a while getting, getting settled, but then it was something more. Do you think that your, like, what are your biggest strengths? Was it like developing leaders, sales, sponsoring, or combination? Sponsoring. I mean, tell me why. Because sponsoring was mine too. And I know my reason, but I want to know if it's your reason. I don't know my reason. I think from what I've heard from people is that I've never really asked anyone to join. I think they joined because they wanted to be a part of something with me, maybe, or I made it not so salesy. I don't know. It It's not easy. I mean, we all know that any job, direct sales, you got to work. It's not going to fall in your lap. I think I was very honest with them. If it wasn't a good fit, I didn't want them to waste their time or mine. I don't know what my strength is, but those were my numbers. I'm telling you. I'm surprised that it's not like, I mean, sponsoring was mine because I truly believed that the business was a gift mm-hmm. and that before I ever started with a direct sales company, I was recruiting my friends for other companies. Mm -hmm. Like I would go to the party and be like, oh my gosh, you should do this. this. Yes, I've always been that girl and believed in it. And so sponsoring, like, like I can see how it has changed lives. It changed my life. And I know that it can change theirs. And so sponsoring is just automatically like, it wasn't... I didn't have to think about it. It just naturally, I just do it. I remember there's like a quadrant of why you would share. One was a blessing. One was because I was told to do it. One was because I have uh, like more selfish reasons. I think I know that, like I said, that it could change your life because I saw it with mine. And I'm like, have you seen or have you heard my story? Like literally, like you can do this too. Like if I can do it, I feel like I'm going to do it. And so I think that's just me sharing my story and making it feel possible. It was more like, I want you to have that too. So I guess it's the same thing as a guest. Yeah, that's what I thought yours would okay. be. Well, yeah. I'm not, I haven't really analyzed it, but I just don't, I think it was more of a conversation, like you should really try this, but it wasn't like, I need you to join my team. Yeah. It wasn't about numbers, I guess, but that ended up being my number. Because you, like it was in like your core. Yeah, like a natural gift. Yes, because you believed in it. But at the same time, you don't want to be pushy. Okay. What are some of the things, I mean, you've definitely had the experience. What are like maybe one or two hard things you've had to overcome in your journey that direct sales helped you with besides the income? Just being at home with my son, the quality time, that's a huge driver, especially when I had all that guilt from the very beginning going to nursing school and like missing out on, I feel like his twos and threes. Do you think that it like helped you with confidence as well? Oh, yeah, for sure. I used to teach aerobics for like 16 years and everyone thought I was confident because I could get in front of the stage, but I wasn't. And I feel like I've become a better speaker and I process like thoughts and deliver things a little bit more professionally in the past, I feel possibly. So, yeah, I would say confidence for sure. And seeing the the goals that I achieved and then having my son watch me was a big motivator because I wanted to show him that anything's possible as well. What about like obstacles inside direct sales, like mistakes that you made or like, I know one of my biggest mistakes, I remember my stepdad before he passed away, he's when I was making 
really, really good, like the biggest paychecks. He would be like, now you need to be careful. That's not going to last. I'm like, I literally said to him, it's only going up from here. I said, 30 months can be around forever. You don't even have to worry about it. I know my stepdad, he passed away in 2015. But if you like, I'd be like, I I should have taken that advice and did a better job and not spending it all. Uh, Oh my gosh. I'd say I wasn't financially responsible. I was renting for 10 years. So the community I was living in, the rent was two to 3,000 a month. So that was a huge expense plus private school. And I was just like Target filling up the cart, like it's not going away. I mean, we had no debt, which is nice to say. I don't have any debt, but I mean, I do have a different house now. Finally, I got approved. But yeah, that was, I could have done way better. Yeah. I was not, like, I had no clue what to do. Like, I went from being a stay-at-home mom to joining direct sales, making more money than my husband. And I mean, he was making six figures too. So like a six-figure income without a plan. It's sad. It's so sad. But, you know, like, I remember thinking, like, at one point, I was like, you're going to have to pay. I was like, I'll just take one paycheck. It'll be fine. And then I started living a different lifestyle. And then before I know it, like my kids to this day, because I quit 31. And so when I quit 31, we had like we downsized and downsizing for me. It was kind of hard. But for my kids, they still are there. Like they still do not understand. Yeah. Like they are used to just we want to go eat. We go eat. Like there was no budget and Mm -hmm. I didn't know to do that. I should have known, but like that is my probably my biggest mistake. And it's a detriment to my kids because they now like they don't know how to manage money or they don't understand that like doesn't matter how much money you have. It's what you do with it. And yeah, we definitely did them a disservice and we're trying to like backpedal some so that they realize like money really doesn't grow on trees. But that was probably my biggest mistake. So I'm glad I'm not the only no, one. You're not. And in fact, I just drove my son to Colorado Springs. He's living as an adult now on his own and paying his bills. And I mean, he had a few bills here, but he's got all his bills now. And he's like, this is going to be really tight. I'm like, I know. And as a parent, you don't want them to struggle, but they need to. So it's mm-hmm. so hard, but it's, yeah, I think because he had that lifestyle of like, we can just have this and this and whatever you want. And yeah. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about when you started feeling sick. I want to hit on this because I think it's something that we don't hear about at all. And I am passionate about acknowledging elephants. And when I heard that you struggled with this, I was like, other people need to know this. Yeah. It was crazy. When I first posted a year after, everyone was like, what? but I wanted to give it a year. So basically I had two sets of implants, which I know many women get. Some don't have to have them. I, as a aerobic instructor, I felt very masculine and I wanted to feel a little bit more feminine. And so I had my first set from 90 to 2016. And then I had them removed and got another set and I started getting sick. And some people get sick now. It's called breast implant illness, which I didn't know at the time. But some people get them within six months, they can get sick. It took me 21 years. But over time, I thought it was just me getting old. I started having a lot of symptoms where I was in the hospital and saw probably over 25 different physicians, over 20,000 in bills. They had a arrhythmia. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. Later finding out it's the electrical foreign object right there. 
I had a fever for six months. No one could figure out why I had a fever. My eyes were almost swollen shut. I had inflammation. I was walking like 90-year-old every day. My joint, I had 27 symptoms basically going on. Well, the funny thing, but not funny, but interesting thing is three years prior, a lady named Akimi Sue Fisher, if you see her, she's amazing. She had posted on Facebook about getting her implants out. And I thought, that's silly. That's not true. Like you can't get sick from these. I totally denied it. But after seeing all the physicians and paying all the money, I remembered that. And it was a total God thing because I said, oh my gosh, Akimi, what was that you had? I went to a Facebook group called Breast Implant Illness. At the time, there was 94,000 women in there. Now there's over 150,000. It's a real thing. And if you have anyone that you know that has implants and doesn't even feel sick, I would have them go in there just so you... It's, it's anything from a cough, just something that you would think is normal. It's a foreign object that's inside your body and you don't get any warning from the FDA when they're put in. The doctors don't have any regulations until this year to say that it has, there's two specific strains of cancer that are specifically related to your implants. In fact, I was getting a mammogram and ultrasound today for two hours this morning because I have a three millimeter cyst now and you've got to get everything tested, right? This is not something that's like fun anymore. These implants are not okay. And I think the community needs to be advised that we're putting something foreign in. And what happens is Anytime you have something foreign in your body, a capsule forms around it. It's your body's way of going, I'm going to protect my body because I don't know what this is. And that capsule, doesn't matter if you have saline or silicone, that creates autoimmune problems. It creates illness. It creates disease processes inside your body. And unless you have a surgeon, not just take the implant out, but it took five hours to get my capsule out. They had to scrape it from my armpit, scrape it from my rib cage, And I am full of scar tissue, which thankfully that cyst today is okay because it scared me because I have nothing now that's okay. I should have just left my body the way God created it, but here nor there. But I did wake up, the swelling went down, the fever was immediately gone in the recovery unit. I do have some autoimmune things that I'm still dealing with. I have a lot of inflammation and having to change a lot of things that I do because it's continued to make me sick. The residual that it left so that's where I was going with the Beauty Society. I started joining that company because I know I can do direct sales. Number one, I want to stay whole. I know how to do it. And it's all 100% natural, toxin-free products. So that's something that I choose to do is I want everything that touches my body now to be clean because I got to have clean food, clean products because I got to get rid of all the things I'm dealing with because of it. So I always just suggest if someone has implants, they say they're fine. I say, I hope you are always fine. But don't ever think that something is just because you're getting older. Sometimes it can be something more very eye-opening. There's a lot of celebrities getting them out now. And in fact, there's only 12 physicians that would take the capsule part out with the implant in the country in 2019 when I did it. And now they're in Miami, which is like very prevalent implants there. They won't even put them in anymore. That's how much they believe and how bad they are for you. They shouldn't be allowed anywhere. But what was really good, you're talking about sharing your stories. I waited a whole year. I posted this on, it had like 600 and something shares. Like the biggest thing on my Facebook history was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this was a thing. I'm going to share this, share this, share this. One lady, oh, she messaged me and she said, I want you to know today's my birthday, October 25th. And I almost 
committed suicide because I have been in so much pain and so sick from these implants and I'm going to get them out now because that's what I think it was. And she messaged me back like six months later and she's a whole new person. And I thought, oh my gosh, like out of all that, like one person. Mm. So sorry to go on about that, but I'm like, oh, so no, I mean, I think that like that is the power of being able to tell your story and God using it. Hey friends, that's it for this episode. If you found value, I would love it if you could take a couple of seconds and leave me a quick review. While it may seem super simple, it is so beneficial and gives me the opportunity to help more women. Also take a screenshot and share it on social media with your biggest aha today. Don't forget to tag me at Melissa Bad Official so we can connect. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, friend, keep walking it out one baby step at a time because God's got you.